You're listening to the Expert Insights Podcast, the home of leading cybersecurity conversations. Hello, and welcome to the Expert Insights Podcast. I'm Caitlin Jones, Deputy Head of Content at Expert Insights. I'm excited today to welcome to the show Chris Meenan, the VP of Security Product Management at IBM Security. In our discussion, we talk about the biggest challenges currently facing SOC teams, the role that open source technologies will play in the future of cybersecurity, how the rise of AI will impact the threat landscape in the coming years, and how smaller organizations can keep up with those changes. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us today, Chris. It's great to be speaking with you. Great to be here. Thank you. First off, could you please just give us a little introduction to yourself or tell us about your security background and your current role at IBM? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, Chris Meenan. I run the product management at IBM Security for IBM's threat management portfolio. So that's everything our customers use to detect, protect, and respond to threats. Um, uh, yeah, I've been with uh, IBM for uh, nearly 13 years now. I came in with the Q1 Labs acquisition uh, back in 2011, I think. Uh, yeah, 2011. And I've, yeah, I've been with the QRadar product for a lot of that time and um, you know, been part of its evolution and growth in the market as well as a lot of the innovations and acquisitions we've made along the way. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we're experiencing a pretty volatile time in the cybersecurity space at the moment with rapid advancements in technology alongside global conflicts putting the strain on IT and SOC teams. What are some of the biggest challenges that your customers are facing at the moment? Yeah, I think the, the challenges roughly fall into the area of um, um, the threat actors and threats really advancing and innovating very quickly. Uh, additional complexity in the IT infrastructure, and that's adding a lot of complexity and uh, additional work for security teams. And then finally, the combination of both of those is exacerbating this knowledge gap that is that has really always been there in the security in the security market, um, but it's now becoming really acute. And uh, a lot of it is being driven by the, the shift to cloud. So as organizations are moving to the cloud, their attack surface is expanding. So the amount of uh, the, the, the amount of things the attackers have to go and attack and get access to is just growing because of the expanding attack surface. And the shift to cloud is just resulting in a lot of new IT infrastructure that has to be secure. And it means new tools, new technologies, uh, new new acronyms, new, um, new languages, there's a lot, a lot of new things that are just in addition to what the teams have already had to do. So it, it, it's really exacerbating a lot of existing challenges that really I think over the last five to ten years the security market has been making a lot of progress with, but the move to cloud is definitely um, making a lot of very good. Absolutely. And you talk about new technologies and new tools there a little bit. Um, one of the big topics at the moment in terms of that is the rise of AI um, with advancements in machine learning driven technologies such as ChatGPT taking the media by storm, certainly. 
How do you expect AI and automation to impact the threat landscape in the next few years? Yeah, so that, well, it's actually being used on two sides. So the attackers actually are using more AI and automation to actually accelerate their ability to um, launch campaigns against their targets. So now like, the, the average time I'm treating for launching a ransomware attack has come down from like days to just minutes uh, using automation and, and AI. Um, so the attackers are doing that. On the side of the blue team, on the defenders, um, you know, AI has been on a bit of a journey in, in security. We certainly, in our IBM socks, we have um, 13 socks globally uh, that we use to secure our customers. And we've been building and maturing our AI in there over the last few years. And um, that's really helping you know, uh, that's, it's just really helping get the high priority alerts and incidents in front of the atmosphere really quickly and, and, and taking away some of the noise. But I think, again, just like with this move to cloud and all the new technologies and the new language and the new verbiages and the new types of attack, I think that AI has got a really big role to play there in terms of bringing all of that back into simple language or or simpler language, I should say. I don't get everything really easy, but in simpler language for the security team to interpret like what's happening and, and what they should do. And it will be very much to like help security teams scale. You know, scale in terms of like the expertise they have. So they can take one person and maybe get them doing four or five things that they complete. Um, four or five times the number of things they would normally do with the assistance of them. So I think it's going to be, we will see it being used as a real force multiplier um, within security. Absolutely. Um, and how can organizations, particularly those that may not have extensive in-house security resource themselves, keep up with those changes? Uh, yeah, so I think um, trusted partners are always a great thing to, um, to uh, uh, lean, lean on and, and, and leverage. Um, certainly, you know, IBM. We are we focus on a lot on technology, but then we also focus a lot on ensuring that our customers have an ecosystem of partners. So we provide services to help, but we also um, provide um, leading the ecosystem of partners. Um, there is another element that has actually been growing quite uh, significantly in the last couple of years, and that's just the intersect community itself and the development of a lot of like open source and open standards for security. And you're starting to see a lot of like communities around standards such as um, uh, Sigma and uh, uh, sticks for threat intelligence and information exchange. And you're starting to see a lot of online communities building up. And I think that, I, I do think there's a lot, that this will become increasingly important for organizations to start leveraging the community can move very, very quickly. There's an example I always share with my teams and, and customers. Um, in um, when Log4j, that very famous, in fact, really critical vulnerability that broke, I think the news of that broke in early December. I can't remember. I remember working all weekend with the team on the response uh, for our customers. But literally within 30 minutes of that vulnerability being published, there was a, a detection created by the community and published on the Sigma GitHub 
Yet a week later, there were still some vendors, not IBM, I would say, like there were still some vendors had not published their guidance or ability to detect and remediate that vulnerability. So I think the InfoSec community will really um, help. Um, it's going to become a really big factor of being able to collaborate with that easily. Absolutely. And um, when it comes to that sort of open source technology, I know that one of the big challenges is um, trying to pinpoint where the responsibility lies for security with open source tech. How do you think that we need to be approaching that issue? Should the responsibility lie with the people who are creating these technologies or the people who are using them? How can we regulate that? Yeah, I, just like, I don't know if I have a slightly controversial view on this, but I actually think, you know, open source code is inherently more secure than proprietary When you look at open source code, literally there are thousands of developers across the globe looking at that code every day. Every day. So if there's vulnerabilities in it or um, that or the chance for some hacker to put a back door in an open source vulnerability is, you know, someone's going to see it really quickly because it's out there on, on the GitHub, basically. Now, on the flip side, a lot of organizations don't take the open source um, source code and compile it themselves. They will take pre-compiled files. So I do think that we will continue to see trusted vendors that take open source code, compile it themselves, and then support it and share it. In which case, I, I think you know, with part of the value of that, they should be providing some of the certification. But, but I actually am a huge believer in open source as a way to you know, accelerate innovation and the more security. I think um, you know, the more people that can look at code, that can identify vulnerabilities, um, even when code is submitted, the number of people that then review that code, the chances of anything that really a significant vulnerability being missed or a backdoor being put in by a threat actor via like a supply chain attack. It's just, it's far less. Far, far less. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of getting people to be using these open source technologies, is that down to the security vendors working together and saying, come on guys, let's all start using this? Does there need yeah. to be government involvement? Yeah, I don't know if government involvement is the. I think, first of all, I, I absolutely think that there, we, we need to see more use of open source across vendors, particularly where it's particularly where it's driving standards mm -hmm. and sharing of um, where it's driving standards and sharing and enabling innovation and um, reducing integration overhead. So a lot of for example, a lot of security teams spend, like, I think there was some staff in from our SAM survey that 66% of the time the security team spent integrating products together or something like that. Um, you know, if you have an open source and open standards approach where, you know, basically security products publish standard, standard based APIs and have standards based ontologies or vocabulary so they can just share information, that's going to save security teams an incredible amount of time, give them an incredible amount of choice 
because they're not going to get locked in to vendor specific you know, into, into integrations. Um, so I, I think we want to see that being adopted. But I, I, I actually think a lot of that has to come from the um, customers themselves. Mm -hmm. The government side of things is interesting. I think um, I think it could come from there. I mean, certainly when we look at things like common criteria, fix, um, you know, some of those sort of standards, some of those sort of um, uh, certification-based things, that has, that has helped a lot on the security side of things as well. So it's probably a combination of both. Um, but I think some of the market forces will push the standards. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we've had a little chat about where the landscape is at the moment um, and some of the different technologies out there that are emerging and where we think things are going to be going with that. Um, can you share with us any updates that you're exploring at IBM to help either relieve some of the pressure on ITSOC teams or continue to evolve your portfolio to support your customers? Yeah, sure. So I, bet, I think there's there's three areas. Um, first of all, one is user experience. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, that you know, his, this security or some security teams have been very, historically very tool, tool focused and technology focused because they've had to plug gaps in detecting certain types of attacks or some new type of infrastructure so they need a tool to fix that. So we've been very focused on how do I secure X, Y, and Z. Um, I think now the pivot, we, that has resulted in, in a high degree of complexity um, uh, and such a degree of complexity that it, it's actually getting in, it's causing analyst burnout, frustration, the skills level has to be so high because the analysts need to be experts in so many tools and you really have to be an expert because you're, you know, the, the safety of the company is in your hands, you know, dependence. So I think actually a, a change where it says, okay, what we need to do is really focus on the analyst and make sure the analyst has a streamlined user experience, a frictionless user experience, a consistent user experience where the language, the, the, the terminology is all consistent. So I think that that is one element you can start seeing becoming increasingly important. And I do actually think that um, I, and we've started seeing signs that uh, customers are willing to, um, uh, you know, are, 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 are not accepting best or best of breed solutions that add complexity. But actually, will take security solutions that provide very good security, maybe not best, best of breed, good security that actually deliver a much stream, more streamlined analyst experience. Because they see that that actually is the problem. Because the security team can't get through all the alerts and you know everything. Then there's no point in having that great security because you're not going to get to it. The second area is around community collaboration. Definitely, I think that's an area IBM is very big in. Um, we're big in open source and open standards, sharing threat intelligence, sharing and collaborating around detection um, and response um, uh, uh, capabilities. So I think that's that's absolutely an area. And then the th third area is, is just around AI and how we can use some of the new AI um, innovations and advancements to really help force multiplied analysts by, um, yeah, 
by uh, providing yes, more actionable summaries of what's happening and what the threat is. So they're, they're the three areas that we need to And that's at the heart of a lot of what our, the evolution of our, or you read our suite, is, is about. So we have um, we've just announced the version of our um, core soft technology, and those three things are actually at the heart of what user interface, the community collaboration, and advancements in AI Absolutely. And those themes of collaboration and unification are definitely something that we're hearing a lot about at the moment. That's what people are really wanting out of their technology, um, unifying their tools, their teams, all of that. Yeah. So that sounds really great. I'm really resonating with customers and, and security partners that work with customers. Because they are all, they're also looking at ways they can help make their customers more secure. So by actually making, um, helping their teams become more productive, help their technologies work better with other technologies, other standards, helping their teams um, with um, new detection and response content more quickly, they can see how they're delivering better outcomes. Of absolutely, absolutely. So I've just got one last question for you today, Chris. Um, do you have any final words of advice to organizations that are struggling with the speed and volume of alerts and threat data they're receiving or any of the other challenges that we've been talking about today? Yeah, so I think, um, I think uh, I, again, I, I would just come back to those as you're looking at the, the as you're looking at how to go about some of those challenges, I would focus on tools and vendors that are really delivering a, a unified, streamlined user experience. Do not go, you know, don't always settle for you know complex but great security. Simple but good is absolutely you know a, a key. Um, sort of priority there, um, definitely. And I think any vendors as well. I would always look to vendors that are um, that have collaboration and open at their heart. I think closed ecosystems of tools um, can seem very appealing, but then that's where you can get locked in complexity, get locked into the vendor, um, and ultimately. You want you and your teams as you bring skills in from the outside. You're more likely to be able to get people with the skills, with their community-based skills, and not like a specific tool skill. Because there's so many tools, like there are hundreds of tools. So the chances of getting skilled people in those tools is harder than tools that actually adopt even standards for community collaboration. Definitely. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We've had a great time chatting with you. Well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Expert Insights podcast. For more, please subscribe or visit expertinsights.com to find interviews with experts and trusted reviews of top cloud solutions.